Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Dan Wood from yes, Draft Digital. Do. Yes. Love Dan. Yes. He's one of our favorite people. And yes. Draft Digital is a great company. And mm-hmm. we dive into a lot of different things that they can do for authors, ways they can help you out. And we talk yep. about um, subscription models and mm-hmm. merchandising tips and um, building relationships, how important relationships are with um, author service companies and you know, why that's very important. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's a great interview. So what's been going on with you this week? Well, uh, we did the interview with Dan last week. And so Mm -hmm. this week I went in and one of his tips was to make sure all your books are in script because we were talking about subscription services. Mm -hmm. So I went in and I thought that I had my books in script, but Mm -hmm. I only had a smattering of them. (laughs) Oh, wow. Really uh, random. So I went back Mm -hmm. through and made sure they were all in script. So I did that and um, life this week has just been crazy as usual with with having inspections and Mm -hmm. our house has been like Grand Central Station with people Mm -hmm. coming and going. And so I've just focused on things like that, like doing uh, admin stuff. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I did want to talk about um, two things. Uh, One of the listeners of the podcast, Jenny B. Jones, has a book that has been made into a feature film and it's called Finding You. Yes. And it released this weekend, I think. Probably Um, Friday. Probably Friday, yeah. So as we're recording, this is Saturday, the 15th of May. And um, Jamie and I are going to go see it later. Yes, we're excited. (laughs) Yeah, we've both been vaccinated, so we are venturing out. Right. Congratulations, um, Jenny, for sure. Yes, we're so excited for you. And so if you want to support Jenny, go look for her movie and see if you can find it. And Mm -hmm. she's a big uh, supporter of the podcast. So just Mm want to give her a shout out. Right. So we're super excited for her. No, oh, I yeah. can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. And then in other news, I was on the uh, SPF podcast this week, or uh, the Friday before this comes out, mm-hmm. uh, talking about Cozy Mysteries, writing a series, Ingram Spark, covered a lot of topics in there. So that was a fun interview. And I think that's all the news I have. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. So what that's about you? Uh, well, uh, as we speak this moment, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit because one of my books is not on Amazon and I'm getting message after message saying that that's happening to several people. So hopefully they get that fixed. I have no idea what that's yeah. about, um, but I'm sure they'll fix it and it'll all be fine. Um, and then I went to the beach on Monday. Uh, my son-in-law's mother has a beach house here close to Houston and she lets me use it occasionally. And I went and I was there all week by myself, like went Monday to Friday all by myself um, and trying to finish my book. I did not finish, but I am close to the end. I know what happens. I know what's, you know, it's just been so hard and it's been really hard to focus and really hard to concentrate and not just concentrate, but just like think about it. Like, for me, I kind of have to see the whole thing to the end and I just haven't mm-hmm. been able to do that. And um, the first day though, really I napped and 
wrote a little bit and then napped some more and then wrote, I was tired. So, but, but it was good. It was, I went down to the beach once because mostly I was just working. Uh, I would have my coffee on the porch so I could sit out and see the waves, but mostly I just worked, yeah. but it was, was great good. news. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So um, I'm fortunate that I can do that. You know, that I have somebody that will let me do that. Yeah. Um, that not everybody has that and, and I get it, but, for me, I really needed that time away to just kind of get my head clear. And so, yeah, I mean, this book is supposed to go to the developmental editor on June 5th. Then I'm, I have an, a, I have a date with my uh, copy line editor on August 9th, I believe. So, you know, realistic time frame. still don't know exactly when it's coming out. And I'm not saying when it's coming out yeah. because... I just don't know, but, yeah. um, I've sort of just give, you know, I've left, let myself off the hook on that one. Um, you know, think what you want about me. Uh, but that's, what, <laughs> that's what's happening. This is real life. This is we're real not, life. we're not putting on a show or anything. I so, could yeah. really, you know, I could make it sound different and better, but the bottom line is it's just hard. And, yeah. um, I don't think it will always be this way. This is just where I'm at right now. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully, um, my developmental editor will help me because I know there are a couple of problems. I just can't figure out why they're problems. So mm-hmm. hopefully she's, she's really good. So I think she'll help me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we get to the interview, I think that's, I'm so happy that Thank you. you've got some time to get yep. away and kind of think and focus on it. I think that's really good. And yep. you got some rest. It sounds like too. Yeah, which is- I did. Very important. So that's good. So before we get to the interview, um, I was going to talk about, I got an email from one of our listeners mm-hmm. and they were curious about Reedsy. Oh yeah. And the question was, is Reedsy good for review potential of, I think readers finding you on the Reedsy platform. Mm-hmm. And so we have a whole podcast we did with, we have one with Reedsy and then we had one that we did with, um, that we just, Jamie and I talked about reviews, how to get mm-hmm. them and what, how to use them. Mm-hmm. And so I think great place to get editorial reviews. You, you put your books up there and then you can use that review in the comments or editorial reviews section on the different right. retailers. Right. And um, I don't know that people are going to just discover your book on the Reedsy mm-hmm. platform. I don't know how many readers they have there. I know they have some because, mm-hmm. you know, I have some people who have followed me because I've had my reviews put up there. Right. So, but I'll link to all that. And that's, we talk about it more in depth in right. those two podcasts. Yeah. And I think that would be probably, we'll answer the question. Right. Uh, one other thing that I did this week I think that I haven't really been as big in doing, I've been on Clubhouse, but I did have some time where I could just be yeah. on Clubhouse. I, I really, I really like, if you can get in a good writing room, um, it's really good. You can get some really good information. My the caveat to that would be just filter the, any information you get, especially <laughs> it's, if it's from somebody you don't really know or haven't heard of, because there's some bad information on there too. And um, you know, it's not anybody's fault. They just don't really know. Uh, but one of the things was about reviews. Is somebody said, "Well, you don't really need reviews," and I just was like, "Oh." <laughs> I didn't say anything. It's, I kept my mouth so shut much more helpful. <laughs> it just makes life so much easier. But um, anyway, yeah, yeah. But I do love Clubhouse for the um, 
the ability to just share and talk and, mm-hmm. you know, converse with other authors and stuff and you don't have to show your face. So that's positive. <laughs> but um, anyway, if you're not on Clubhouse, yeah. you should see, see if you can get an interview, um, an invitation. So, yeah. And now it's on Android, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is on Android now. Yeah. So, so yeah. We'll so people can find it yeah. on whatever phone they have now. So yeah, it'll be exactly. much easier. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get on with the interview because Dan's got tons of good stuff to say. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here's Dan. Mm-hmm. Today, we're excited to have Dan Wood with us from draft to digital Hi, Dan. How are you? I am doing great. How are y'all? We're really good. We're good. We're excited to talk to you. Yeah. Fully uh, vaccinated. I'm- we're ready. You mean me too. I, I'm excited to be here. It's uh, I've got to talk to Jamie a little bit on Clubhouse, but yes. uh, it's been a while since I've talked to Sarah, so it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's cool to see you guys. Um, we haven't seen each other. We used to see each other at conferences, but that has not happened in months and months. So it's good to see everybody. So anyway, uh, I, I, I hope we're so. I'm, I'm really hoping we're close to being able to see everyone in person again soon. So I know it. Get vaccinated. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie's counting the moments, the minutes. I know. <laughs> Conference Jamie's been in hibernation too long. Too long. So. She's been through the draw. <laughs> All right, so let me read your bio real quick, and then Jamie will lead us off with the first question. Dan Wood is the VP of Operations at Drafted Digital, where he manages customer support, operations, marketing, and business development. So you are busy. Yes, I am. And you, Very that's busy. a new position for you, right? It is, uh, you know, up until I started at draft to digital as the director of operations, mm-hmm. so it, kind of a technical role. Uh, at the time, I realized we needed to get involved in conferences. And so I started going to them and that became a full-time job within like a year or two. And mm-hmm. so I moved over to, um, I was director of author relations for many years and would spend more than half my time on the road. Um, so, uh, right before the lockdown hit, uh, I kind of was transitioning into this new role, uh, managing people again. And, um, then we all stopped traveling entirely. <laughs> uh, so it, it's been, it, it was good timing uh, for everything. Um, I'm still going to be going to some of the bigger conferences, but, you know, I used to go to a lot of smaller ones too, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, uh, between Mark and Kevin, um, we'll be able to cover, um, but, you know, all, all the big ones like Nink and 20 books, you'll see yeah. all of us. That's great. Yeah. So how did you get started writing with working with writers? You know, I, I never in a million years planned on being in publishing. I never really thought of it as <laughs> being um, a, a job path to me, like mm-hmm. especially living in Oklahoma. It's just if you want to work in publishing, live in New York City. Mm-hmm. I, I lived in New York for several years. Um, I knew people that were doing it, but it just didn't seem like a world that was open to someone that wasn't well connected. Right. Um, yeah. One of my friends uh, that I had known since uh, junior high had always wanted to be a writer. Uh, he had um, spent most of the 2000s, you know, trying to get a, an agent uh, mm-hmm. pitching his books to uh, various publishers mm-hmm. Um late 2000s, uh, he started hearing about the self-publishing opportunities out there and that it had went from being something that was, you know, self-publishing was kind of synonymous with vanity press and paying to get yourself published Mm -hmm. to being an actual viable option. And you started to see several um, traditional authors begin to self-publish because they could just make so much more money. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, he got involved in it. He didn't like the tools that were available at the time to convert uh, your Word document into different formats you need for um, the different vendors. And so he worked with some of his programmer friends. That tool they built for him became the foundation of our business. Um, you know, now we give away that tool for free so anyone can just bring a Word document to us. We will format it for free into uh, EPUB is now the primary file you need. Uh, mm-hmm. You need Mobi still for a little bit of Amazon stuff, although Amazon started to move over to EPUB. Mm-hmm. And then we also do print formats. And so you can download a PDF to use it at the various places where you can do print on demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one thing people don't really know about Draft2Digital is the this fantastic free tool of being able to convert your uh your word document. I just think. It's yeah, awesome. uh, we, we, we have several, you know, our, our primary business, how we make our money is in distributing books and helping people get their books into a lot of different places. Um, you know, especially internationally and library systems, but we, we build a lot of tools that we just provide for free. Um, you know, we feel like it's a great community that when we give the community gives back. And so it just to get people familiar with us, um, but like our, our conversion is completely free. You don't have to use us for distribution. Um, you can use us just for free books if you want to. We also have uh, universal book links and books to read, which are different ways to make sure you've got, you're providing links to your readers to all the different retailers and not just linking on your website or social media to Amazon. Yeah. You know, Amazon probably has enough business already. So <laughs> You know, send them to a couple of the other places like Kobo where uh, they really love uh, authors. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we use books to read links in our um, links for the show notes. And because, you know, our audience is international, hopefully most we do have a lot of American writers that listen to us, but we do have downloads from all around the world. So we want people to be able to get the books people mention, you know, and that's just an easy way to do it. So and I remember when Draft a Digital came out, I had pulled my hair out and cried basically over trying to format an EPUB and a Mobi and everything back in the olden days. And I tried the Smashwords beat grinder and was not a fan of that at all. And when I saw your thing that you could upload it, get your, um, get the files outputted and then use those wherever you wanted. I was like, it was almost too good to be true. I feel feel like meat grinder might be the most apt name for a product ever. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys saved my life back in the beginning when there were not a lot of tools for authors. So, so thank you for that. And then we always want to ask, um, do you have any aspirations to write? I do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I, I've I not been listening to podcasts a lot over the lockdown, mm-hmm. uh, but this morning I was listening to your interview with Jen Falls. She's a good mm-hmm. friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, and just to kind of get a feel for the format um, yeah, and she told the story about how me and Ricardo had encouraged her to go ahead and put mm-hmm. her work out there. Now mm-hmm. she's encouraging me to, I, I, I would like to write. I'm also terrified of putting it out there. Um, and so me and Ricardo for a long time were like encouraging each other to write back and forth. And then he went and actually published a book. And I'm like, <laughs> now I have to do it. So, you do. The he's pressure. put you on the spot. I, yeah. I, I would like to write some fiction because I, I feel like I give a lot of advice about books, but I feel a little bit 
weird giving advice about uh, how to succeed publishing when mm-hmm. I don't have any books out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I get that down, I, I feel like I want to write some nonfiction um, just so yeah, I, I see a lot of different parts of uh, how the process works. And I think right. that's very useful to share from the industry perspective, but mm-hmm. I would like to understand the full stack as an author slash publisher. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. We'll be asking any, you about that. <laughs> yeah. Any any uh, hints on genre for your fiction? You know, I mostly read fantasy. Fantasy, yeah. Uh, <laughs> lately, I've been reading a lot of like horror slash cosmic horror, like Stephen King type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so maybe maybe there, but it's going to be fantasy adjacent. Um, just because that's kind of what I've always read for fun and to relax. I, yeah, I like science fiction, but I don't feel like I have the, um, I like, I appreciate the hard science fiction, but I don't have the patience to do all that research and to mm-hmm. figure out like how the physics are going to work. And that's just on me. So <laughs> I, I would much prefer to be able to like magic dragons. <laughs> you know, it, it seems easier. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I feel like historical romance authors, uh, it, that's so much work and their readers oh, are so picky. So I'm much like, work. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. just, just go contemporary romance. It'll be mm-hmm. a lot easier. <laughs> exactly. Or, or paranormal or something yeah. like that where you can just make things up. Yeah. yeah. And nobody, there's nobody there to correct you. Yeah. So uh, what do you wish authors knew about what you do and what draft digital does? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's, I think one of the, the main things I wish is I, I we've done very good work connecting to authors that are connecting to other author groups mm-hmm. and people who are going to conferences. Mm-hmm. I wish I could better reach the authors that are young, that still haven't heard of self-publishing, mm-hmm. that are really butting their head against the wall, trying to pitch to agents and publishers mm-hmm. Um that are really not acquiring authors and books in the way that everyone has been told by television and movies <laughs> that it, the system works. Like mm-hmm. at this point you have to have a platform and um, really realistically for most of them, they're not going to find an agent or a publisher unless they self publish and prove that they have an audience for their work. Um, I wish more people knew how common that was, how many uh, indie authors have gone on to become hybrid authors and make contracts with traditional publishers. And I wish people knew how many like old school veteran uh, traditional published authors are like, screw this, I'm going to self-publish and are loving it. Um, So I, I worry a lot about just the people that, yeah, I think Jen was a good example of someone that, um, the system failed and she could have given up. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she got connected into the self-publishing community and realized that there are other paths and like better paths open now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's the primary thing I would, I would like for the overall author community to know, because you know, with an, our tiny community, like things are, are great, I think, mm-hmm. but we forget sometimes that there's a much broader author community and aspiring writer community um, I've seen a little bit of that with one of the reasons I've been excited about clubhouse mm-hmm. um, is because we're starting to meet some people that we otherwise would not have met. Correct. Um, yeah. And so making sure they know that they don't 
have to spend a decade pitching and Mm -hmm. a decade of rejection Mm-hmm. And make sure they know not never spend money to be published. Like, yes. Uh, yes. yeah, th- there are there are things you can do to invest in your publishing success, like spending money on a great book cover and mm-hmm. editors. Mm-hmm. But that's stuff where you still control it and everything. You never want to pay someone to publish your book, and then generally they're giving you like copies of the book that are just going to sit in your house. Right. Uh, you know, you it's hard to pay someone to market for you unless you understand the marketing. And so like learning all those things to right. make sure you don't get scammed because people prey on um, the dreams of authors. Right. They, they do. do. Yeah. And, you know, I've said that before, like, because, well, we all met at the same place. Mm-hmm. We met at the smart artist summit in 2016. That was a year before I published. And, but there's this group of people that I feel like we know a lot, like a mm-hmm. lot. And, but then I forget that there's so many people that haven't, they don't know those things. And so that's why it's so important to every chance you get to say, to tell people the things, you know, in my opinion, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm about that, but I did want to ask you, so draft to digital is an aggregator, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, can you explain to people who are new what that is? Yeah. Uh, I, I hate the word aggregator. Like it, it sounds very intimidating. <laughs> like it, it, it sounds like an evil transformer to me. Right. 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 Uh, it's better than meat it, grinder though. Yes. That's true. <laughs> it, it, it is a, a holdover word from other industries like the music industry and from video industry. Um, basically most of the retailers had not directly dealt with creators before. Um, and so there are ways to get your work into their systems. Um, Amazon kind of changed the game up with uh, launching the Kindle direct platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that was like 2008, 2009 uh, and get people the opportunity to go directly to them. Mm-hmm. Um, most places still don't do that. There are places you can go directly to, Um we kind of built a platform where we made it to where we make the deals with all the different places. Um, if you want to, uh, all of our um, partners are opt-in uh, as opposed to several of our other competitors, just go ahead and try to send you everywhere without checking with you first, if you've already got your books there. And so we did everything as opt-in. We just help you reach as wide of an audience as possible with your, uh, your books. Um, we do a lot of vetting on our end. Um, there's several places that go to more retailers than we do. Um, we found out early on that that's not always the best idea because several of the retailers, especially the international retailers, um, work on different schedules. They were built around traditional publishing where they kind of put a book up and forget about it. And they're not going to be taking it down. They're not going to be changing their price often. Uh, with the pace that Amazon sets Mm -hmm. and the rules Amazon has that just doesn't work for indie authors Uh, with Amazon. If you don't um, change your price quickly, um, Amazon will price match it and will send you those nasty emails Mm -hmm. telling you that someone else has a lower price. Um, And so that can be bad. And when Amazon price matches, you don't get your full payout. You get the payout based on the price match. Mm -hmm. Um, for authors that are going in and out of Kindle Unlimited and being exclusive with Amazon, um, 
you don't want to have your book wide and then have to wait a month or two for the book to go down for you to put it into Kindle Unlimited. Um, and so we're very picky about who we work with and we run extended beta programs to check and make sure people can um, react quickly to when we send changes to them. So I, I, I think I got a little bit off topic with basically an aggregator is just a, a means of reaching all these different places. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you got places like Amazon, Apple, Kobo, and Barnes and Noble where you can go direct to them. I think Google play as well. Um, most of the library vendors, most of the subscription services all require you to go through another service. Um, there are a lot of people who choose to go through us anyway, even though they can go direct because a like certain countries, you can't make a direct deal with uh, certain vendors and so with us, we work with just about every country in the world. Um, some people will use us just because you can change a price once for a, like a book bub uh, on one site and be done with it in five minutes as opposed to going to 12 different websites and then checking back to see if they've actually made the price change or not. Um, we built a couple of tools that are things like um, we can handle your in matter links. And so at the back of your book, it's always a good idea to let people know, like have links where they can click and buy your next book in a series. Um, that's very time consuming. If you try to update, update those for every vendor, uh, but we've automated that process. So when we send the file to Apple, they get all Apple links When Barnes and Noble gets all yeah. Barnes and Noble links. Um, and so we just try to, to make it, you know, we, we think time is the most valuable resource that authors have um, and try to make a compelling argument just to use us. Um, we do a lot of promotions that um, you might not have access to at some of the vendors. With other vendors like Kobo, they make it very easy to get into their merchandising uh, setup. And so um, just giving people options. Yeah. yeah. I, think I think that's great. Have a great. You, you have such an array of stuff that helps authors. It's amazing. And it does really simplify your life if you can go to one place and make a price change. And I go direct in a lot of, I'm wide and I go direct where I can, but I use draft to digital for library distribution and I upload every book to draft to digital just so I can get into libraries. And then the other countries that may not be covered, you know, by certain vendors there's, mm-hmm. there's, so there's an advantage, even if you do go direct to still use draft to digital, I think. And we've seen such huge growth. I'm a huge fan of libraries. Uh, mm-hmm. I said on other show, I, I grew up very poor. Uh, my grandmother took me to the library every week uh, as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would not be a lifelong reader if it weren't for the library system. Just could never have afforded it. Um, it really got me into all the different authors that now I spend a lot of money on their books and audiobooks. Um, and so we saw, because of lockdown, I think, just a, a tremendous growth in all of our library sales, it was like somewhere over a hundred percent different between 2019 and 2020. Um, I've heard very good figures also from my friends that find a way in audiobooks. Um, mm-hmm. This library consumption is going up. Um, you definitely want to be a part of overdrive. Like it's the biggest of the different digital library retailers. And then Hoopla is really growing a lot too. And that's mm-hmm. an exciting platform. Yeah. That's awesome. And we're happy to hear library growth yes, is always good. So happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is so there anything fun. you wish you'd known about um, indie publishing or working with authors? 
I, I wish I had gotten involved in conferences earlier, like just mm-hmm. connecting to authors with that one-on-one and not just authors, but my other industry um, friends. It's been such a huge difference in our business. Um, you know, we ran things like a tech company the first couple of years, mm-hmm. very hands-off and not connecting. And several of um, you know our executives were programmers. And so they didn't necessarily get the, the human aspect of it. And we didn't really know what to expect because we, there wasn't really anyone to connect to. And um, it was a little bit hard. Like the first conference I went to was book expo America and traditional publishing was not very accepting of anyone working on that fringe area of indie authors. Um, But we stuck with it. And now, you know, we've gone on to, I've made lifelong friends, both in the author community and in the uh, industry people. Um, you know, I think one of the first people I met was Mark Lefebvre mm-hmm. um, while he was working at Kobo and it was the, um, you know, really put together KWL entirely. Um, when we heard that he was leaving Kobo, we started trying to hire him like that next day. <laughs> um, and now he works with us and that's been a real, um, boon to our, our business because he brings so many industry connections and he had experience running a small bookstore. And so some of the print stuff that we just didn't know um, he's been able to fill in a lot of the gaps. And so um, I, I encourage all authors to just connect as soon as you can uh, to the author community. Um, so much of success that I see is finding the people that are writing in the same genre as you and figuring out what they're doing and sharing with each other um, cause it's a very competitive market out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are always new things that can give you a little bit of an edge and, you know, for any industry people, um, connect to the authors. Like it, it's, uh, it, it's really helped us make a better product by just being close to, um, the people we're making the product for. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that Mark, Lafayette, I just, there's not anyone in this business that's more enthusiastic about or, or overtly enthusiastic about. It's, it's, it's almost exhausting. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I, I love it because like, that's not my personality type, but like, he is just so enthusiastic about he it is. He and is, yeah. just it, it loves books. And like, I, I feel like I love books, but like he's on another level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is. Wow. He is. Yeah, I think what you say about connecting is so important because like because I have met you and the different people that are associated with Draft Digital, I feel so much more comfortable working with you and I trust you guys. And there are new things that come online, you know, things come and things go, but there's a difference if you've met the people who work in the company and then you feel yeah. like you have a better connection and you right. know that there are real people there. So that I think that's huge. And I think that's a great tip. Is, you know, I, I feel like, people. yeah, I, I feel like it also keeps us honest in our marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I've seen some people, some of our competitors and some of the, the ones that have come and gone. Um, it's much easier for them to like pick little cases and be like, Oh, if you go wide, you can, you'll, you'll be selling two or three times as many books as at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're interacting with the community, you just know that's not true. Mm-hmm. wide is a great strategy. It's not the only strategy. Um, there are many of my friends that I just know what, what they're doing and their genre would not work wide. And so it's been always very, been very important to me to not try to promise people things that just aren't true. Mm-hmm. 
we're lucky to be a private company. And so like, we don't have the external pressure of investors pushing us to like have more sales or more mm-hmm. active users. Um, so just building long-term relationships and giving people the advice that is actually um, the best for them um, it has been, I think what has set us apart from a lot of the other companies. I agree. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of respect also for Smashwords because Mark Coker, uh, very similar. I, I think it's very upfront with people mm-hmm. about what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, just. And a pioneer. Uh, I mean, in yeah. this business. Yeah. It, it yeah. just helps meet the people you're working with, mm-hmm. understand what their business model is and what their incentives are. Um I, I think will help you have a better um, overall experience with this industry. I agree. So what do you see authors doing that they do because they think they have to do it? Maybe they're spending a lot of time doing it, but it just doesn't produce results. I, I would say most, most time, like for young authors, they're, they're, spending way too much time trying to figure marketing out before they have many books. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from what I've seen, you need about three books uh, before there's a, a huge chunk of readers that just seem to ignore debut authors and wait <laughs> to see if they're going to have continued success. Right. That's especially true within a series. Like we just mm-hmm. see over and over, you know, not great sales maybe for the first two books, but when it hits three, four or five, suddenly mm-hmm. things just seem to take off. And it's, I think that demographic of people, I, I, I'm one of the people with television shows. I never watched the first season mm-hmm. because I've gotten so used to te- television shows getting canceled mm-hmm. and I don't want to be left hanging on the actual, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to fall in love with the show. And then like, well, crap, it's not going to be on anymore. Right. Um, and so Following that, it, there's also the aspect of marketing books, especially digital books, are have very low margins. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you're you're making a small amount of money on like a three ninety nine or four ninety nine book. Um, what makes a lot of the different strategies out there work is that return on investment from pulling people into your series and then them buying. Uh, you know, a lot of times you're going to be selling them the first book. Uh, discounted in some way, be it like a 99 cent book, or you might even be giving away free. Um, and, but then you're going to make your money off them continuing to read through your series. Correct. Uh, and so, so I, I feel like I see a lot of authors that just get caught up on the marketing end um, way too early. And like, to some extent, you, the, the best way to market yourself is to write the next book. Like, in nearly every case, I would say until you get into like the double digits, um, you know, after that, like you probably can really up your game by like focusing on a lot of new marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of time it just depends on having a big catalog out there. Um, with the more experienced authors, I, I, I feel like there's the fear of missing out mm-hmm. on social media where um, they, they try things without knowing exactly that where, if their readers are there or not. Like I, I personally feel like as, uh, as I've been watching this whole clubhouse phenomenon, there's too many writers that are like trying to do like set up ways to connect to readers there. When I, I don't know that we have any proof the readers are there yet. Um, but there's plenty of places we know readers are at. And so continuing to connect with people there, um, 
I, I, yeah, I, I think we just, we, we look for different things. We want to be like right at the, the cusp of things and um, you don't necessarily have to be, and you can right. let other people kind of pioneer those, those areas and get your, put your head down and work on the things that you do have control over. Right. Um, can be a, a better use of time. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great answer. Yeah. So you kind of touched on some of the common mistakes that you see. So um, like in newer and more experienced authors, do you see any um, commonalities in writers who've been successful over the long haul? Cause you know, you have a wide view of what's mm-hmm. going on in the industry. They all work really hard. Um, <laughs> they all really understand their readers um, I, I think that's really the key is the understanding of the readers. Um, you know, other than that, I, I wouldn't say there's a, like some of them spend a lot on advertising. Some of them hardly spend any money on advertising. Um, I would say for the most part, they all have an email list. Um, the way in which they use that email list can be radically different. Like some of them are emailing them about what's going on with their family and others mm-hmm. are just, I've got a new book every few months. Um, but controlling your um, your means of accessing your readers, I think, is, is hugely important. I think just about every highly successful author I've seen has figured that out. Um, you know, platforms like Facebook aren't reliable for that because you know Facebook has groups where you would think people are saying, "I want to know everything this writer is saying," right? But they aren't showing them everything unless the writer is spending a lot of money, and I I, I think it's less than 10% of those posts get seen by people who have chosen to follow you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people can follow you on Amazon, but Amazon's not going to email them all the time when you have a new book. Mm-hmm. And so making sure you control uh, that relationship um, and email is really one of the only platforms where you completely control it. Um, you can connect to people in a lot of other places and that can be really, really good, but um, make sure you're gathering people's email addresses. Yeah. So you work with a wide range of authors <clears throat> in different genres. Are there any trends you're seeing or something that's hot now that you think will continue to be hot? Um, Has pin poised and ready? Yeah, we, we, we definitely <laughs> saw a huge uptick in uh, romantic comedy. So I, I know that, that it's applicable to you, Jamie. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I think with, the world kind of being a gloomy place the last two to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it went from being, I would say towards uh, like nine or 10 for our, our best selling genres to being like three, the, the third, mm-hmm. like it's it just increased significantly. Uh, romantic suspense has grown a lot, which I, I really don't know why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other trends have gone down, like with historical romance uh, has gone a little bit down for us. Um Sci-fi and fantasy continues to do well. Uh, Mysteries and thrillers continue to do well. Um, The cozy stuff has also been growing. So I I think things that are escapes um, and aren't heavy material are doing better right now. Um, You know, for people hearing this, I I, I don't know if you just jump on that right now, if it's going to be true a couple of months from now uh, when the book is done. But Mm -hmm. um, Definitely lighter, harder stuff seems to be uh, favored for the moment. Um, yeah, I, I, something I've kind of noticed is a lot of the trends follow popular entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so when um, 
like the uh, 50 shades movies came out and we had a resurgence uh, in the BDSM books when um, Outlander came out uh, the Scottish uh, romance type stuff. And so I, I try to look and follow like what movies and television shows are, are coming up and are getting hyped uh, because I think the book world reflects that a bit because typically the readers will go read all of that series that inspired mm-hmm. the, the movie or the show. Mm-hmm. And then they'll look for other things like that. And so um, something I, I, I feel like authors could do more of. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll see a boom after Bridgerton, Bridgerton yeah. romance yeah. and historical romance. So, yeah. So, it's um, so interesting. Like there's just not nearly enough TV programming, I think for, yeah, like romance readers are voracious. I think people <laughs> voraciously watch this. Like I know people that, you know, are, are watching the Hallmark channel, you mm-hmm. know, most of November and December. Mm-hmm. There's so much more room for content like that. It's just, they're not making it. I think it's just a dim- dismissiveness. Um, I'm not to have a chip on my shoulder, but I think yeah. it's just a dismissiveness of the romance mm-hmm. genre in general and romance books and even romance readers that they're somehow, you know, unrealistic and frivolous and airheaded, which is simply not true. But, um, you know, I I think that is part of the problem. And most of these studios and things are run by men who don't read romance and don't really have their thumb on the pulse of what really women want. So, oh yeah, I mean, that's how my many, PSA for today. Yeah. How, how many uh, amazing and successful romance authors are there out there that are lawyers mm-hmm. and yes, yeah. they're uh, awesome. They're terrifying. Like they're really, really on top of it. I, yeah. I know for the best marketing uh, stuff, like the cutting edge marketing within the publishing world, I always hear about it at the romance conferences. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a year or two later, it, it trickles down into the other uh, conferences. But, right. um, you know, we've gone to RWA and RW Australia for years, RW New Zealand, um, just really top of their game as far as the marketing is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this when we had um, Gail Carriger on mm-hmm. that um, like lighthearted and positive, happy things that have happy endings are just not respected. But mm-hmm. one thing I learned coming from traditional publishing into any is that nothing legitimizes like money. So like yes. if Bridgerton does well, then, you know, that will make people think, Oh, well maybe we should make more mm-hmm. historical mm-hmm. romances. So yeah. 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 So we wanted to jump to some questions that are kind of specific to draft to digital um, about like, do y'all have like, what's coming up on the horizon? Do you have some new sales channels or anything that you can talk about in that area? Yeah, definitely. Um, so a lot of people know that we have been working on a print program. Um, some really cool stuff with that, where we've made it really, really easy for people that haven't been in print before uh, by you know, with print, you've got all these things like the physical dimensions that have to be specifically accounted for. Um, A lot of times uh, when you're going into the other print on demand programs, you have to go commission another cover and and you have to have that cover tweaked by the cover artist a lot because you've Mm -hmm. got to figure out exactly how big the spine is and then change the art. Uh, We've automated that process where we take your digital cover and pull out some of the dominant colors from it. 
to make a wraparound spine for you and wow. we do all the calculations. Yeah. Um, so on that end, we've made it much, much easier. And that also includes our PDF generator. Like we've made it really, really easy to make a print book. Uh, we also can work with files from vellum or different places. And, you know, if you have a wraparound cover that your artist has done, we can use those as well. Um, but as far as like the user interface, we've made that super easy. Um, we've just been trying to find the right partner uh, behind the scenes for the infrastructure. Uh, we're in the midst of changing uh, partners now, um, which should make things significantly better uh, and give a wider reach to authors and uh, allow us to support stuff like author copies um, in more countries than what we're in currently. So I, I'm really excited about that. That's been a huge focus for us for, it's like a little over maybe almost two years we've been working on print. Um, mm -hmm. That's one of those things I wish I knew it was mm -hmm. we kind of uh, maybe were a little bit arrogant about thinking it was going to be easy and print was not easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's definitely humbled us a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we're going to come out with like an amazing product and we've seen really good sales and print. Um, you know, I, I think authors sometimes underestimate, um, mm -hmm. what could be available to them in yeah. print if they make it available. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so trying to make sure more people are available there. Um, I'm really excited about, we're kind of in the middle to late stages of our beta testing with BorrowBox, um, mm -hmm. which any of the Australians should be familiar with. They are a uh, library vendor. Um, we do a ton of sales in Australia, like Australians just, seem to be very, very fond of eBooks. Um, we also work with a lot of Australian authors and uh, New Zealand authors. Um, and so having another way to reach those markets is gonna be very, very good. Uh, so I think we'll be releasing that fairly soon. Um, we've got a couple of others that we're testing in the background that I'm not ready to talk about yet, but um, <laughs> you know, there, there's always ones we're uh, working with, um, you know, we want to get into more library markets. We want to get into more international markets because we're seeing growth in all those markets. Um, you know, over the, the, the years, I, I would say even 2016, 70% of our sales were uh, U.S. Uh, by 2021, like we're somewhere where it's closer to 50-50. Um, so oh, we're wow. seeing a lot of growth. Yeah. In the international markets. And that's not just, uh, I think some people think international markets, you've got to be translating your books. There's so many English readers outside of the U.S. Um, and, and so just having them out there, there are people, uh, you know, in Germany, they're buying English books. There's people in Italy buying English books. Mm -hmm. um, make yourself available in every market that you can that, you know, like we were talking about the betting earlier, that is um, making the changes so it doesn't hurt or impact your business at uh some of the larger places like Amazon. So subscription models are kind of are growing clearly. Mm -hmm. How is some way that authors can benefit from that, make that work well uh, for them? Uh, definitely. You want to be a part because there's, we, we know that there's a huge market for subscriptions. People like that, especially for digital content. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I imagine every one of us, has like a Spotify or Netflix or Hulu. So they consume however you want. Like the, the buffet model mm -hmm. is popular. It, it encourages people to try things they might not otherwise. I know there's a lot of series I've watched on Netflix that were not things I ever 
would have tuned into or like paused to record in the old model. Mm-hmm. Um, there are movies that I've watched that I would not have paid to go see in a theater that have ended up being some of my favorites. And so mm-hmm. the subscription model for books is exactly that. Um, there's a lot of great options. Um, obviously Kindle unlimited is huge. Um, yeah, I'll let someone else talk uh, about that. I'm not a fan of Kindle Unlimited because of that whole, you have to be exclusive to Amazon. Exclusivity, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Kobo has a subscription model and you don't have to be exclusive. Right. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes. Good. So Kobo has Kobo Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, right now it's primarily in the Netherlands and Canada, mm-hmm. but they are looking to open it in other markets. A uh, very similar payout model to KU where they're taking in like all the subscription fees. They look at the time people spend reading your book and you get mm-hmm. an allocation. Oh, okay. um, it's kind of complicated to explain the math, um, but like KU that just people spend a lot of uh, time reading. And so it can be a very good payoff for authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's subscription services like Scrib that have been around for many years um, Scribd has an excellent payout model for authors where you're making, if someone reads more than 20% of your book, you're making, uh, basically the same amount you would make for a sale. And oh, wow. so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I feel like everyone should be on Scribd. Everyone should be in Kobo plus, mm-hmm. uh, just really great models and very good to authors. Um, some of the international, uh, success we're seeing in different vendors, is moving towards subscription. Uh, you know, like we're seeing, uh, everyone is, uh, you know, buzzing about this Kindle Bella thing coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically just copying like some of the models that are working in, um, in Asia and yeah, a, a couple of other markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a proven model. It, it, is it a proven model for North America? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll see how people react to like buying the the coins or whatever they're going to call it mm-hmm. um, to continue reading. Um, but people like some short fiction. There's services like Radish mm-hmm. um, as well that are doing that. And so I, I think those are going to be part of the landscape going forward. Mm-hmm. And so getting comfortable with that is, is good for authors. Mm-hmm. Um, and just realizing those are probably entirely different readers. Maybe some of them, I feel like a lot of the people who have become KU readers weren't traditional readers at all. Like they weren't just going out and buying books. Cause I, I feel like there's people in publishing and people, uh, authors I've met who feel like these things cannibalize their sales. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really finding new audiences that like these different models. Mm-hmm. So the main tip then would be just to be in the subscription model mm-hmm. system so people can find you right i mean that's yes that's the first yeah thing. as far as we're, we're really starting to focus on uh building some more merchandising opportunities with these uh, play, different players um i was telling you before uh we started the podcast that we finally hired someone full-time merchandising at draft the digital in this last mm-hmm. year and i've been so excited about that because that was like one of many hats that i wore and was just time consuming. Like you've got the back and forth between coordinating with the vendor and their different merchandisers mm-hmm. and the authors. Um, it's a lot of emails. It's a lot of making sure a price change has been made. Uh, and so um, for those of you who know, Kevin Tomlinson, uh, we hired his wife, Kara, and she's been fantastic. She's been coordinating all of that. Um, and she's been working a lot with Mark Lefebvre. Mark Lefebvre's always had a huge passion for 
promoting IndieWorks. Um, and so between the two of them, they've really opened up a lot of different opportunities and we've expanded the scale of how many books we could get merchandised. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've recently met with Scribd. Um, we've been talking with, we're always talking with Kobo and it helps that Mark has those connections at Kobo. And so just being open to trying different promotions at different places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it, a lot of promotions are based around offering, you know, a discount to the readers or to the retailer, trying those things out um, using the strategies. Like, you know, it doesn't really make sense to, if you have a standalone book to offer a, um, a discount on that, because where is that going to go? But if you offer a discount on the first in series, and then you're making the full price on everything else. Um, it's just a great funnel. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into, I wanted to ask um, about market uh, merchandising, because, you know, if you're um, direct on certain platforms like Kobo, you can go in and request to be included in, you know, promos that are coming up. So mm-hmm. um, I know y'all have this set up now for more mer- merchandising, but is there a certain way that like, if we have a sale coming up, is it okay to let y'all know? Um, what would what would you recommend? Like if we're yeah interested we, we, in more merchandising for for years and years, it was emailing me uh, and like <laughs> you know a, a lot of times like I had met people at conferences and I kind of knew what was going on with that. Um, you know that doesn't scale very well when it's just one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've moved it to um, you can always email our customer support and they have um, some forms that Mark and Kara have put together. Uh, where you can just fill it out and let us know, like if you have a BookBub ad coming up, yeah. if you've got a, a new release coming up, mm-hmm. and then they go through and see if those fit any of the different promotions that are going on with the different retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are always like, I encourage people to make sure that they're getting our emails and check their spam folder to make sure we're not ending up in a spam folder or the promotion folder on Gmail. Yeah, Because uh, we are, when we get in the different opportunities, we're looking through, our list and saying who fits uh, this criteria. So we're not showing everyone everything yet, uh, but we're letting people know when we have an opportunity that their book fits. Um, you know, some of that is driven by, we don't you generally invite the people that are already selling well, but we're also looking at people who are just getting started. Like we're going up and down the list, trying to find <laughs> a good range of, we want to make sure we have things that we know are going to do well for the retailers, but we're also trying to put people who haven't found their audience at those markets yet and get them some more visibility. Um, you know, when people ask like the, the best way to increase or their odds of getting picked, it, it really is like the more you put into finding your audience at different retailers, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are always looking for ways to, you know, help the little guys. And like some of them aren't even, even really little, like they might have a huge audience from Kindle Unlimited, but they just haven't found their white audience. And so um, always looking for ways to do that. So I uh, definitely encourage you to reach out to our, our customer support. We'll get you in contact and uh, help people find those forms. Um, I think once we're done with all of the work we've been putting into print, uh, we're wanting to do make the dashboard reflect more kind of, I, I really like what KWL did making it a, a, a tab where you can go and see mm-hmm. what's available. Um, we we want to do something like that and make it kind of easy to set it and forget it where you say, yes, I want to, I want to be nominated for this promotion because mm-hmm. we don't make the final determination. So 
you know, we, we nominate things and then the merchandiser at the retailer lets us know what they chose. Um, but if they chose your book, you should be able to set, sign up and I want to be part of this. Um, I will offer this price for this given time range and just make all that automatic. So you don't have to worry about it. Cause you know, some of these uh, retailers are planning things two months in advance. And so, um, you know, we can automate all of that. We have all the information and make it really easy for you and then send you a reminder. So you don't forget about it and send you. So like some of the retailers will provide like awesome graphics, like Apple will give us suggested language, suggested graphics. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really cool. Um, One thing I love is uh, with all the retailers we're working with, they don't charge authors for these promotions. And so unlike Amazon where you're spending money, even to, um, you're having to spend ad money on your own name. If people search for your name, uh, Apple, Apple doesn't care where your book came from. They, they've been agnostic about that. They give indie authors as much opportunity as uh, traditional authors. And so that's really, really cool. Um, Kobo also uh, through our promotions we do with them, they're not charging anything Barnes and Noble. Um, so it just a lot of opportunity and something that doesn't cost you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd highly recommend uh, looking into those, taking part of them. Um, you know, the other thing that helps, is, uh, again, we've, we've talked about meeting in person and mm-hmm. there's a lot of these people you can meet at conferences. And so um, I, I don't do it to show favoritism, but I'm just much more likely to, when Apple says, hey, I want a romantic comedy, I'm much more likely to think of Jamie than a lot of other people because I've met her and I know her her brand um, it just automatically pops in my head. And so that's an easy win. Um, a, a lot of the people that make some of the choices also from the retailers. Um, you know, it's hard to meet Apple people. They are ninjas. They, <laughs> uh, you, 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 you can't tell people they're at the conference. You can't introduce people to them without their permission, but so Apple weird. people are at a lot of conferences. So, um, so bizarre. That's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. 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 And you know, like, um, the Cobo people are great. The Cobo people yeah. are at a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And so go to They're conferences, meet people from the, the Apple ninja. <laughs> yeah. Apple ninjas. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So did what, what do you think the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success in this business has been? <sighs> That's a good question that I, I, I feel like, choosing a long time ago to focus on long-term relationships mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus um, th- th- there's a lot of different ways to market the, there's digital, like marketing has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being very frustrated. Like I, I'll, I'll just throw out this name, but um, for some of you that remember pronoun, uh, mm-hmm. they were, they were verb for a while. Um they were just misleading people left and right. They had, they, they rebranded themselves to pronoun from verb because they couldn't get any more money under the verb name. They just kept taking in investor money mm-hmm. and making huge promises. They came into our area by storm after trying to succeed at video books and other weird things. Mm-hmm. Um, they were offering better rates than anyone should be able like it was just clearly too good to be true like they were offering better rates than uh going through them to kindle than kdp mm-hmm. um i felt like everything they were doing was very misleading and just mm-hmm. trying to 
have a certain number of users to get more money from investors. Um, so, yeah, I was seeing all these tactics like, you know, if we just change these things, but we really decided to focus on the long-term relationships and mm-hmm. feeling like all these things that look too good to be true. And just, we couldn't figure out how the numbers were working to just accept that, give us some time. And we've seen any number of publishing startups that have just gone away entirely. Um, right. Some of our competitors, some of the competitors to, uh, you know, the people I see that are continuing to do well are the people who are showing up at all these conferences. You know, I, I promote Readsy all the time because they've had a similar outlook on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Book Funnel, I've, I've never had a problem telling people they should look at Book Funnel because Damon is a part of the community. He's really looking at the long term. Um, so, I, just making like actual friendships with people and not just seeing people as customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think when you have to look somebody in the eye, it's a lot harder to then go back and do something <laughs> shady and then come yeah. back and have to look them in the eye again. I mean, that's, and, that's, yeah, that's I, I've been so, so fortunate that, you know, my manager and like, uh, you know, I report to Chris Dawson, our CEO, uh, just, has given me the flexibility to be as candid with people as possible because, you know, we were talking a little bit uh, about the Apple people by definition of their corporate rules and everything. They just can't Mm -hmm. reveal much. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've ever been to one of the Amazon presentations, they, everyone gets excited. It's like, Oh, I'm gonna get to hear from right from them. And they tell you things that are, uh, on their website. Very, their, very yeah. obvious. Yeah. It's just like word for word from a blog post. Like, yeah, it's they, not worth your time to go. To they just aren't allowed post. to, yeah. to share much. Um, and I, I've never had to, to deal with those kind of stipulations. Um, and you can like, and Kobo is a good example of they, they have a lot of latitude and they're very upfront with authors. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason why people like working with them and they like working with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's why Drafted Digital is one of our favorite companies, mm-hmm. and you're one of our favorite people. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been great having you on the show today. I just know that people are going to get a ton out of this. Yes. It's been great being here. Um, I would definitely encourage people if, if they're interested in learning a little bit more about us. We've got a lot of videos now, like last year, because everyone was stuck you know, at home, we're like, let's just do... Like I think from April to September, we did like a, a video a day between me, Mark, and wow. Kevin interviewing uh, different people, uh, authors, industry people. Um, I got interviews. You did, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot of great interviews out there. There's a lot of, of good information on that. Um, I've really been trying to grow out our, our video platform because I, I think that's one of the ways to reach some of those new people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've noticed that all my friends' kids are going with questions to YouTube rather than going with questions to Google. Mm -hmm. And so we've really been trying to um, orient some of our strategy towards video. Yeah. So are those all available on YouTube? Do y'all have a channel? Yeah. Yep. That's a drafted digital channel on YouTube. They're also available on Facebook videos. And so you can go to our Facebook page and look at the videos. Um, And then for people that just prefer to listen to things, we have it available as a podcast just the audio from those interviews. Uh, it's a self-publishing insiders podcast. All right. Well, we will link to that and mm-hmm. the YouTube uh, channel and everything in the show notes. And it will all be at wish I'd known then podcast.com. 
And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the show. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.